chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, feeding the 5,000. <clears throat> Excuse me. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large cat and crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy for, six, for these people to eat? He said this, <clears throat> excuse me, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what was going to do. Philip answered, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who, had, who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he that had done, when pe people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, "This is indeed the prophet of who is to come into the world." When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're grateful, O Lord, for your abundance, for your authority in our lives, for your constant presence, your abiding presence. Be with us now in the hearing and the doing of your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have any of y'all, especially my musicians, ever heard of Helen Hayworth Lemmel? There's no reason you should, because there's an awful lot of songwriters and hymn writers, Phil. So your job by next week is to memorize all of them and what they did. She had been born and raised in England to a wealthy family and was well known as a songwriter. She probably wrote 70, 80 hymns and gospel songs that were popular as early as the 1920s and through the 1950s. And if you want to see her 
devotion and dedication, look at hymn number 349. It's really just the chorus of a hymn. But when I tell you the story, it might come to mean more to you. You see, she had married into nobility. Her husband was actually a lord. But early in their marriage, she was stricken with blindness. And her husband divorced her because he did not want to be married to a blind woman. Eventually, she ended up in Seattle, destitute, living in a tiny room in a home where the rent was paid by the county. If anyone asked her how she was doing, she would always say, I am fine in the things that count. On a table in her room, uh, she had a little plastic organ. It was more toy than it was instrument. It was like a, a child's chord organ. I, I, probably all of us have seen one at one time or another. But she would play that organ and cry and sing. She had this vision of getting into heaven and having a mighty thundering pipe organ to play. She didn't see her little plastic organ as a disadvantage. For her, it was a foretaste of glory. The two miracles we hear today, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water, are also for us a foretaste of glory. This is Jesus saying, you need to know who I am, and you need to know what I can do. Can you feed 5,000 plus people with only two fish and five loaves of bread? It was bigger than a Lunchable. One of, one of the things about having a grandchild is you get to relive some things that you remember with your own child. And a Lunchable is one of them, just that big, not big at all. You all remember Lunchables? They're still out there. This was his, this little boy's lunch. And a Lunchable is little. And this was barely bigger than a Lunchable. And Philip and Andrew had no idea what to do. Now, let's admit it. This was a pretty big test that Jesus put square on their shoulders. They came to Jesus and said, send them home. Jesus said, got a better idea. Let them stay and you feed them. That's an awfully big question. Can you feed 5,000 people on a Lunchable? Jesus tested them, and they came up short. Jesus then tested all the disciples, walking on top of the waves to get to them. 
Can you walk on water? Can you even comprehend the very idea, the very thought of someone walking on water? This is Jesus saying, see with your own eyes what I can do. Behold who I am. Jesus was giving them and us glimpses of Godhood. I love the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It is the only miracle Jesus performed that is recorded in all four Gospels. But what I love most is that God in Jesus Christ involves a child in ministry. So often we in the church talk about children in terms of teaching them, of protecting them, safe sanctuary, of training them for what God would have them do when they grow up. We even say things like, children are our future. They are the church of the future. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible says children are our now. Already disciples, even at early ages, they are disciples when used by God. When Hagar and her son Ishmael were fleeing the anger of Sarah, the scriptures say God heard the voice of the child, not the voice of the parent crying out, but the voice of the child. After Samson repented, he was left and helpless and blind. That is always how sin leaves us, helpless and blind. But in this case, Samson was physically and not just spiritually affected. And a child held Samson's hand and guided him to the pillars. God used a child to destroy the Philistines. God sent Jeremiah. When you hear the word Jeremiah, you think, not only prophet of old, but probably an old prophet, right? He wasn't. He was just a boy. Now imagine that. God is using just a boy named Jeremiah to warn his people of the wrath of God and the coming judgment. And Jesus uses a young boy's lunch to show generations who he is and what he can do. While we talk about preparing children to do ministry, God is already busy putting them to work. And look at the works. Because of the voice of a child, 
Hagar and Ishmael were spared. And we learn that God protects the innocent. The destruction of those who would destroy God's people came through a child participating in that work. A child was used to warn an entire nation of their impending doom. And today it is a child God uses to reveal the power of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus. While we are planning VBS, God uses children to save and to destroy nations. You think we might need to think bigger? Maybe instead of ministry to children, we need to think more of ministry with children. I mean, imagine this scene. A little boy in the middle of a crowd filled with Pharisees and Sadducees, big burly fishermen, rich and poor, people crowding in, 5,000 men. And, and you know in the Bible, that means there were women and children present, but they didn't matter enough to be counted. Did you hear what I just said? That little boy in this story is not even significant enough to be counted as part of the crowd. He's insignificant. It's like he doesn't even exist. And suddenly, all eyes are on him. He is the center of attention. For one of the disciples comes and says, Jesus needs your lunch. That little boy enables a miracle because he gives Jesus what he has to give, because he gives Jesus all he has to give. And with that small gesture giving away his lunch, that little boy is teaching adults living 2,000 years later that even the most insignificant among us possess the stuff of miracles. Even the most insignificant among us possess the stuff of miracles. And they gathered the crumbs. Twelve baskets, twelve tribes. It's kind of obvious. But could there be more? And they gathered the crumbs. The outcast. The forgotten. The overlooked. The widow, the orphan, the sick, the injured. The lonely, the homeless, the hopeless, the addicted, those possessed by greed and anger, 
and lust and in prison and hungry. And they gathered the crumbs, the hurting, the worn and the weary, the doubting, the crying, the persecuted, those who have no justice, those seeking purpose in all the wrong places. And they gathered the crumbs, and they gathered the crumbs. Amen.